now we are on to Zahiruddin Muhammad Babur the first Mughal emperor in India what were his religious policies like what was his attitude what was his outlook towards different religious sects that inhabited the indian subcontinent when he first entered the world of india babur right from his childhood was a very intelligent human being with an extremely liberal constitution yes babur did not have any narrow or sectarian outlook ever in his life his memoirs the babur nama which in itself is a masterpiece written in chagdai turkish reveals many significant aspects of his early life which are extremely important if we are to form any coherent and authentic picture of babur as an emperor babur writes about his upbringing and his childhood days most candidly he says about his first mentor baba kuli who never prayed never kept fast and in every sort of activity he was just like an infidel a kafir you see the same liberal outlook was taking shape in babar right from very early age he was not condemning baba kuli he was praising him and he was explaining what he was in the most frank manner possible likewise when he talks about his uncle sultan ahmed mirza he does not fail to notice his religious proclivity he says that he used to fast during the month of fasting and offer prayers five times a day and undertake every other activities which an ideal muslim should do babur also incidentally was extremely fond of wine which which would come to many people's surprise which was an extremely popular thing even with the women of timurid household yes many women of babur's family were drunkards so you see orthodoxy was nowhere there of course you know islam does not allow the drinking of wine much less drinking of wine by a woman <laughs> and then we have babur's serious proclivity towards the fine arts music painting poetry everything that is anathema to the orthodox mind found favor in babur's he praised bizad the master artist at his relative's court in herat he himself was an artist he was given to nature he had a keen observation and in his memoirs we find a most beautiful description of the flora and fauna of all the places that babur happened to visit in his long life babur yes babur was a muslim was a practicing muslim and he also had extreme devotion to one naqshbandi saint shah ubaidullah ahrar Baba claims that he had seen the saint repeatedly in his dreams. Be that as it may, Baba's relationship with Naqshbandi Sufis was cordial and continued till his death. On the other hand, it might surprise many people that the Chishti masters who were paramount in the subcontinent when Baba arrived here 
did not have a very cordial relationship with babar yes a certain chishti sheik who had blessed sultan ibrahim lodi prior to the battle of panipat that chishti sheik was not taken lightly of by babar after the battle was over and sultan ibrahim was dead babar got the scent apprehended and then asked the scent to walk almost 60 kilometers or even more than that on foot there was a punishment for supporting an enemy king meted out to perhaps the most revered muslim figure in the subcontinent yes because the chishtis chishtis held sway over the millions of muslims that inhabited the subcontinent then again we find that in babar's dealing with non muslims or non sunni muslims there is absolutely no evidence of any narrow minded outlook you see when the political necessity dictated him to befriend the shah of iran babar absolutely felt no hesitation whatsoever to don the kizilbash dress that was considered to be heresy because the safavid shahs of iran were staunch shias and were greatly disliked by the sunni orthodox elements and babar wearing their dress was considered to be the ultimate act of heresy but babar was unflinched for babar his political aim mattered nothing else did again when babar stepped into india we find the same mental attitude at work after defeating and slaying ibrahim lodi at the battlefield of panipat babar's next target was maharana sangha of mewar maharana sangha had a terrible reputation as a ruthless warrior a warrior who sported 80 wounds on his body and who had never been defeated before a formidable reputation indeed and babar's men clearly lost heart they were itching to move back to kabul and leave hindustan to rana sangha so that they did not have to face the rajput wrath sisodias were indeed formidable under rana sangha and the realization was not lost on babar either he realized that if he had to rally his men he needed to do something spectacular and he did just that he broke all his wine vessels publicly undertook an oath that he would henceforth abstain from drinking and then made all his leading commanders the begs swear on the holy quran that they would not desert him and would fight till death against the kafir enemy rana sangha of course it would be clear to even the most even the most innocent reader that babar's move was a was a clever political one that was disguised as a religious pincer it had nothing to do with religion it was a political move to fire the imagination of his predominantly sunni army and the ploy worked Babar triumphed at Khanwa and Rana Sangha's power was destroyed forever. After this battle, Babar took the title of Ghazi.
टू प्रोक्लेम हिज सुपीरियोरिटी ओवर ऑल द नॉन हिंदू पावर्स इन नॉर्थ इंडिया एट दैट पॉइंट इज इंटरेस्टिंग टू नोट इन स्पाइट ऑफ क्लेमिंग द टाइटल ऑफ गाजी बाबा क्विकली ड्रॉप्ट इट आफ्टर अ फ्यू मंथ्स पॉलिटिकल पर्पज हैड बीन सर्व एंड देर वॉज नो यूज लिंगरिंग ऑन विद द टाइटल दैट हेल्ड बेसिकली नो ग्रेट मीनिंग फॉर बाबा Again, when the battle against Medini Rai of Chanderi commenced, Babur was quick to declare it as a jihad. And when he attained what he wanted, he was even quicker to forget the jihad committed against non-Muslims. Of course, Babur, like his ancestor Timur, was ruthless in dealing with his enemies. He constructed infidel ta- the tower of infidel skulls after his victory at Khanwa. but again this was not fanaticism at work babur did the same with the sunni afghans in the northwest when he first encountered them he constructed a huge tower of afghan skulls they were muslims babur was muslim but that did not prevent him from inflicting sharp punishment on anyone who he decided was threatening to his position again babur made agra his headquarter and yeah, of course we all know mathura is very near to agra babur passed through mathura a number of times and mathura as always was dotted with multiple hindu temples and none of them were destroyed or even touched by his army men when babur conquered the gwalior fort he was amazed at the many temples and the religious edifices in the fort none were destroyed only the jain statues which were conspicuously naked repelled babur and he asked his men to damage their private parts which they duly did and within a few years the jains again restored them end of the story now the impression is clear that babur was anything but a fanatic now we all know i know i know i know i know the media has fed you with the lie that babar demolished the ram mandir at ayodhya and constructed a babri masjid at its place nothing could be further from truth there was already a mosque standing there which most probably belonged to the the sharki vintage of jaunpur the sharki sultans of jaunpur who ruled over eastern up for well nigh a century between timur's invasion and 15th century sorry and the dawn of 16th century they perhaps constructed a masjid at ayodhya and when babur passed through ayodhya he found the mosque to be in a terrible state absolutely dilapidated and on the verge of getting destroyed he ordered his commander beg mir baki to get it repaired and it was duly done and the inscription was put there that that said that the mosque was repaired on the orders of zahiruddin mohammad babar same thing happened at sambhal a mosque had been there ever since the time of the delhi sultans almost 200 years long standing before babar arrived there again the mosque was in a terrible state a state of ruin babar ordered his man his commander mir hindu beg who duly got it repaired Because you see the time Baba spent in the subcontinent. How much time did he spend? Hardly two, three years or four years, and most of the time was spent in bloody wars. He did not have the enough time nor the resources to construct such grand edifices in either Ayodhya or Sambal, right? 
so the edifices were existing before babar entered india babar only got his men to repair them that's all so the picture is clear that babar brought with him a new concept of turkom mongol sovereignty that privileged liberalism over all forms of na- narrow parochialism and it did not distinguish between one religion and another babar and his descendants were of course muslims but that did not prevent them from enlisting hindu support or in promoting hindu men to high command in their administration babar readily took under his service the gakhar chiefs of punjab who were till then hindu the gakhars the khakars or gakhars whatever you call them fought on babar's side and laid down their lives against their hindu co-religionists at the battle of khanwa many khakars were killed against the battle in the battle against rana sanga i hope this should clear the year, year about babar's true intentions and his fundamental nature as a man his intention was to stay in india and to forge a new empire that would be fitting to his great ancestors glories timur's glories and as a man of course it should be abundantly clear by now that he was in every sense a liberal man thank you